Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Living room logic. This is Spread the Good, a weekly mini-series brought to you by Living Room Logic, where we talk about things like The progress to normalcy during the COVID-19 pandemic How important it is to be compassionate And answer questions from our socials at Living Room Logic. Come find us to join the conversation Welcome everyone, welcome back to Spread the Good, a Living Room Logic production where we talk about all the hope and good things that are coming out of the end of the pandemic. So this week, Andrew has got some more stats for us on what has occurred. And we just want to talk more about the mental health implications of the pandemic, how people are feeling and how we are going to move past this pandemic. Um, So, Andrew, what is the news from Enfit over the past week? The news is good, right? Um, we have the incidents per 100,000 down from two weeks ago from 152 per 100,000 to 118. We Great. have the number of cases in hospitals down from two weeks ago from 254 to 179. We have a Fantastic. massive, massive decrease in deaths in nursing homes. And like it, wow. the, the deaths in nursing homes used to be like the main driver of the death stats. And now it's almost gone. And this is a big, big big time down to the vaccinations mm-hmm. because like they're looking at the age of incidence rate and the people with the least cases is in the 65 plus and wow. the last time that they were this low you're talking like last summer at the very bottom of it right mm-hmm. uh when things were at their absolute best whilst the numbers everywhere else are, are like in the younger age groups are still a bit um a little bit dodge, but it's really, really <laughs> great. It's really great to see that the people at risk are protected. Mm-hmm. But like, it, there's been a few quirky things coming out this week. Like there was um, last week, there was 617 cases that came out, and uh, everyone was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> everyone was freaking out. Mm-hmm. But and then, but then they it got confusing because then they released no, it's 457 cases. And it just led to confusion. So I thought it'd be worth explaining that. Yeah. Every day that they do some testing, right, they take some away for quality assurance. So basically, they do all the testing and they take about 10 to 15 percent of all of the tests back and do it again. This is just kind of a way to make sure that the testing is up to scratch, that you can trust the numbers coming out. Mm -hmm. What happened on the day of 617 was that there was a backlog of two days. Right. So usually every day you're getting 10 to 15 percent of the cases from the day before as the quality assurance comes through. Yeah. But on that day, there was two days worth coming in Mm -hmm. and that boosted it up. So it was 617 total cases, but 457 from that day. Okay. Like anyone, when you see that coming up on your Twitter feed or something, you're like, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's a hike, a hike of, you know, nearly... 30% or something so it's scarier it's a fiddly bit with the numbers and it kind of comes to like say that you shouldn't depend so much on the 
number of cases each day because mm. if there was a particularly low day in testing, like if you only tested like 10,000 people, for example, you're probably only going to get about 200, 300 cases and people would be like, ah, it's fine. But if you test 100,000 people, you probably get a couple thousand back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of it, what's important to look at is more so maybe the percentages. But even the percentages come with their finicky bits because like this week, for example, we were seeing a lot of asymptomatic cases being tested. And this was because schools came back. Mm-hmm. So all of the kids that presented any symptoms and all of their close contacts all got tested. So in that way, we would have a lot of testing going on, Mm -hmm. but only a very small amount of them would actually be positive. So when then you look at those stats, you get a really low positivity rate because you have a lot of people who got tested out of safety and not out of symptoms. Yeah. So it is, it's just to keep these things in mind, because a lot of people kind of cling on to the number of cases each day. But yeah, and we're seeing a lot of raises in groups like in the younger age groups. But again, they're getting tested more out of safety because schools are back. But it is positive, though, because like they're still looking at the R value. And currently it's at about 0.9. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's amazingly good. That is crazy good. Because two weeks ago when they were talking about it, they said that the best case scenario that they had projected was 1.3. That was the best case scenario. At Christmas, it was between two and five. And that's why we saw the massive hike. And so NFET was like, okay, if it's particularly bad, it'll be about 2. If it's about middle, it'll be about 1.5. And if it's at its best, 1.3. And we're kicking ass at 0.9. So that is... Mwah. Yeah, that well is done to everyone. Beautiful. You know, and this is yeah. a direct consequence of people actually sticking to the restrictions. So everyone who is, well done. Fair play to you. Absolutely. And it is absolutely brilliant. And the the last thing just to maybe warn people about is that there is an expected increase in the number of cases per day coming up. And that's because there is going to be an increase in testing. And with everything opening up, you can expect an increase in cases, but it will be transient. It will only last a short amount of time Mm -hmm. because and this was in all of the models. You know, you can't open up without cases going up. What's going to happen is that this will get a big slap in the face with vaccination and this small short term increase in cases is going to then come back down. Mm -hmm. So that's all fab. So I just wanted to also talk a bit about the big elephant in the room, mental health and the effects of isolation on people and how people are feeling, particularly young people who, as we've mentioned before, don't really have the right coping mechanisms and stuff for this, what has been an extremely traumatic thing. So what needs to be done after we get out of this? All of the models from the last couple of weeks from NFET are showing that with people sticking to restrictions and with the vaccinations kicking ass, we're going to get there. Numbers are going to go extremely low and we will get some normalcy back. Almost as if it was before the pandemic, you know, maybe we'll still have to wear masks and whatever, but there will be an extremely high amount of normalcy, which is amazing. And so Mm. after this pandemic is over, it's really likely that there'll be these lasting mental health implications um, and so it's kind of like after a nuclear explosion, okay, you have radiation that will stay there for a very, very long time and you really need to work on cleaning that up. So this is what it's going to feel like in people. They're going to feel this lasting 
kind of trauma from this you know it's not just going to go away and a really good example and a lot of people are are also analogizing this to like the roaring 20s in the in the ninth in the 18th century and so you know after uh you know in the 1920s people went crazy and then what happened in the 1930s the great depression so you know we need to be careful and we need to be very mindful of the effect that this pandemic will have moving forward, even after the pandemic's over. We need an action plan. We need the government to think about this and tackle this. And so at the government level, we need to think about the mental health system needing first a massive budget increase. The European standard is 6% or, or 12% of the health budget and the Irish mental health system gets 6%. So it would be incredible for that to be doubled. But money, it's being shown that money isn't actually the major issue. It actually turns out that there are logistical problems in the mental health system. And there was an amazing interview there uh, about a week ago, uh, mm. Niall Breslin, Brezzy, with um, Michal Martin, the Taoiseach. And they talked about this and the kind of problems within the mental health system. And the fact that there is something wrong there with just getting people in these jobs and filling these positions because the, the demand is there. It's massive, the demand. And actually, there are vacancies for these positions for psychotherapists and for psychiatrists. And so, you know, but they're not getting filled as quickly as, say, an education job, a teacher job, something like yeah. that, an expert position in the education system. So... We really need to have a long, hard think about that. And how can we make that more effective? How can we actually fill these roles more quickly and maybe make the roles more attractive to people from outside the country to come in? We need these experts to come in and get these positions and help our young people. OK, so what all of this will do will hopefully reduce the extremely long waiting times that people have to endure to see a therapist. Like some people are waiting up to two years in the public system, which is, it is just simply not acceptable. And at the same time, Michal Martin was talking about out of frustration, he would turn to NGOs, you know, all of these mental health NGOs that are doing an amazing job in Ireland. But turning to NGOs is it's it's like putting a band-aid yeah. on an open wound you know what I mean um, it's just quelling the, the flow but like that's it you really need a lot more long lasting thing the NGOs are so overwhelmed we have to think about this as well from the very ground level the mental health system needs reworking but we actually also just need to completely and utterly fix the, the way that people think about mental health in Ireland children especially you know we want we need to help people from a very young age to fully understand that it's okay to be unhappy and that having a mental health issue is not a sign of weakness at all and to be able to talk to other people openly and honestly about whatever mental health issue they might think they have at the primary and secondary level we need to really think about implementing more dedicated school counsellors and what I'm saying is a teacher that isn't also a student counsellor someone who's just there for the kids a well-being officer someone like that who's just their single job is to just 
think about the the welfare of the student and to make sure they're all doing okay and make sure that they can talk to them. Yeah. And then like the most basic thing, but like just general increase in training in compassionate communication with kids for all teachers. And the standard now is extremely high. Teachers today are amazing and their training is wonderful, but they are extremely overwhelmed with their current workload. So there needs to be more. There needs to be people to help them. And they also could do with some extra training. It would never hurt. So hopefully with all of this in mind, this could kind of help to remove the stigma that's attached with mental health issues. And, you know, I'm really hopeful that we'll get to a place in time where most people are are comfortable with talking about these things. As comfortable as talking about their physical health. You banged your toe off the door and it's vet. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, you're not feeling too well today. Like, you're having depressive thoughts. You're, you're having anxiety today. You feel really anxious. Like, that should be something that a child should be able to tell his other friend. A bunch of lads in a group. Yeah, lads, I don't know if I want to go to training today. Look, I just don't feel really well in my head. I'm feeling anxious. And that they would have the necessary vocabulary to talk mm. to each other about these things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was really, really interesting because, like, Brezzi's a, a huge advocate for all of this and he really understands the system quite well and he understands the problems. And even at that, it was really, really nice to hear someone like Brezzi, someone with that kind of compassion, talk to a politician. Yeah. Because they, like, I had never seen or listened to any politician, like, and that made them seem so human. Like just just a person. The take home from all of this is that no matter what you're seeing anywhere, social media, TV, internet, everyone is a person and they are a father, a mother, yeah. a daughter, a son, whatever. Yeah. They are a human being. You have to bring compassion into these things. Think about that. So the last section before we finish up, because we're running out of time, I'm going to ask Andrew some questions from his knowledge that he's gained from NFS <laughs> and the battle against COVID. So, um, first question, Andrew, from our social media account. Uh, what are the most up-to-date projections of how it's going? And, and could you give us, like, the best and worst-case scenario? Yeah, sure. Just just give me a second so they can stream the data into the computer chip. Oh, into my arm. Uh, <laughs> look, the okay, like best and worst case scenario is um, a little bit uh, dreamland because I don't think we're going to get the best case scenario and we're definitely not going to get the worst case scenario. The best case, because like in reality, the best case scenario is we all turn off the fact that we're human, sit in a room for the next eight weeks, wait till we get vaccinated and then come out perfectly fine. Yeah. Whilst the worst case scenario is closer to something that you'd see in like India at the moment where everything opened up and now there's a massive surge. And that's a good example of what they mean when when uh, NFA comes out and they're like, this is a volatile position where it's yeah. like we're, we're in balance. It's not that like things are great. It's that we're in balance and that's fine. And that's expected. The realistic um, outlook that seems to be going is that toward, so right now I think we hit 25% of adults with their first vaccination. Yeah. That's great. Wow. And uh, 10% with their second. Fabulous. And by then, they still say by the end of June, it should be up to 80%. And uh, that's not unrealistic. Like, I think last Thursday or Friday, we had our biggest day of vaccinations and we got through 40,000 in a day. 
and this keeps growing and wow. it keeps growing. So at the rate it's still going, we should easily hit that target, which is fabulous. Unreal. Uh, what people actually care about is when will this start coming down? And um, that will literally come around somewhere between the end of June and August is kind of where we're looking. It's mm-hmm. not going to be over by the end of June, but we might start to see a downward trend if enough people are getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Realistically, you're talking about July, you're talking about maybe into August when you see the pressure of the vaccines pushing down the COVID cases, even with the whole world opening up. So normalcy will probably come in around June, like some degree of normalcy. Like I don't imagine we'll be be in pubs yet, but they'll be, you know, opening up outside again. Mm-hmm. When this whole thing will be effectively over, will be at the current trend. If everything goes to plan and there's no disaster, yeah, I'm just yeah. covering my ass here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. We're talking August, September. There'll be that's a safe bet at the current rate. Fantastic. Of when things will be that's, settling, and and that's attainable. That's okay. I'm yeah. I'm happy with waiting until that that long. Yeah. You know that yeah. is just around the corner. So let's do it, everyone. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Can vaccinated people get sick from COVID-19? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 think, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a big misconception here about what vaccines actually do. OK, and people are because, I again, I think we might have said this before where like people assume that it protects you from the virus overall, like a plastic bag over your head that just deflects it when yeah, it doesn't yeah, at no, all. OK. What happens with the virus is it comes into your body and it basically sits there unaffected and uninterrupted for two weeks whilst your immune system figures out what's going on. Mm -hmm. With the vaccine, it's quicker, like it can take three days. But in those three days, the virus can still replicate, it can still cause damage and it can still make you sick. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that more often than not, it doesn't. And the thing is, is when you're only carrying it for three days before your immune system you know, destroys it, you're probably not going to get any severe damage. The likelihood of you getting enough virus to give it to someone else is hugely shrunk. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how this herd immunity comes comes about because it just lowers the likelihood to you to give it out. The thing is, is that it can make you sick, but it won't make you hospitalized because mm-hmm. you will be able to mount a response. And that's the big thing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can still get sick, but any long-term or severe thing, that's what it's protecting you from. Okay, so... You will feel like poo-poo, but you will not be too bad. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so final question. And this is kind of doing the rounds on the internet right now. Very contentious. So will the vaccine affect fertility? The real answer here is you don't know, I don't know. That's yeah. the real answer. People are coming out and they're okay. kind of saying that, oh, there's cases of, of uh, potential fertility. They're just that and the other. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that these are all correlation. Person got vaccine, person got symptom, A plus B equals C. Okay, Mm -hmm. they're saying that these two things are related. And people get frustrated because the medical industry won't acknowledge these small cases, right? But let me tell you a quick story of why they won't actually acknowledge these small correlations from small subgroups of people, okay? Because in 1998, there was a study of 12 people with developmental disorders, right? Mm -hmm. And these 12 people with developmental disorders, they were all kids and they were all vaccinated. And a doctor came in and the doctor was like, hmm, these kids got vaccinated. Hmm, these kids have gut inflammation. Hmm, these kids have developmental disorders like autism. (gasps) Vaccines cause gut inflammation and that causes autism. And the whole world blew up from a study of 12 people. 
right? And what was messed up about this was that, do you know how those kids got into that study? They had parents who had approached a lawyer and they said that they wanted to sue the MMR vaccine company. So the lawyer found a doctor who made the study and the doctor had a patent in a competing MMR vaccine. And he made the study and that oh, got God. published. And every, and that's where that whole vaccines cause autism come from. From a study of 12 people who were selectively chose to be put mm. in this study with the intent that they would be able to sue the MMR vaccine company. And everyone believed it. It even got published. That guy who made that paper got taken, got his medical license taken away because he mm. was doing all sorts of unnecessary procedures to these kids. He was giving their lumbar punctures just to see. And a lumbar puncture is when you stick a needle into the spine to take cerebrospinal fluid, oh which is outrageously so dangerous risky, yeah. and unnecessary, unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So this is why when these few cases come out, they don't jump on. <gasps> Obviously, the vaccine causes that mm -hmm. because the the fallout from that initial that first experience that people went through of vaccines cause autism it has been a massive lesson to don't give in to correlation wait for there to be shown causation and then react accordingly because okay. that's the only appropriate and scientific response okay short aiden layman answer there is no data available <laughs> there is no argument yet we will see that is that is a good answer <laughs> and you know what? That actually kind of wraps everything up. So, Andrew, thank you for those wonderful answers. And everyone, thanks so much for listening for this week of Spread the Good. Please go out and spread that good. Mm -hmm. This is the end of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time. If you're feeling generous, and you're not completely skinned Why don't you give us some of your money Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 